brought to you almost live from the dude in the basement studios. Why? Because that's where the good stuff is. It sips, suds, and smokes with your smoking host, the good old boys. Suds, suds, suds. It's time for more suds. Welcome to this suds episode here on Sip, Suds, and Smokes, where everything good in life is worth discussing. I am one of your hosts here at the table today, good old boy Mike. Please hold your applause down, Dave. That's not tough. <laughs> <laughs> Joining, <laughs> joining me here at the table is good old gal, Juliana. Hi, guys. I'll give her some applause. Just for you. Just sing. Whatever. Wow. Tough crowd. Kendall, old, do better. Good old boy, Dave. Oh, were we really going? Oh, hey, everybody. <laughs> Sorry, I thought this was practice. <laughs> and good old boy, Kendall. Hey, everybody. Thanks for having me. Uh, Kendall also has a blog you'll hear about uh, more at the end of the show today. It's called Beer Makes Three. Sip, Suds, and Smokes is sponsored by Craft Beer Kings. Craft Beer Kings is a home for all of your beer and wine needs. It's also home of the mystery box. Huh. What's in it? I don't know, Dave. <laughs> oh, mystery. Oh, right. Sorry. <laughs> you can reach them at www.craftbeerkings.com. Well, our said segments are all about beer, beer, and definitely more beer. Today is a brewery takeover episode on Prairie. I'm not Prairie. On Prairie. <laughs> Toy Boat. On uh, Perennial Artisan Ales out of St. Louis, Missouri. Woohoo. Yep. Dave, now that you got the name right. Now that I got the name right. I'm actually in the right state, finally, as well. Uh, P. PayPal. Um, Dave gets the honor of going over our Suds ratings for today. Now, Dave, look, your primary goal is not to offend anyone in St. Louis, although people in Alabama are still game okay. I thought my primary goal was just not to screw up these Suds ratings. <laughs> well, for we'll, once. we'll see. Go for it, man. All right. I I'm feel- betting against you go ahead i feel so honored <laughs> we'll be tasting and discussing these beers and rating them with our suds ratings and these signature belching sounds here are those ratings now number one that sucks give me anything but a bud number two was that a belch number three ah what a relief number four a body should really not make that sound And number five, listen to that hang time. Give me another. That was perfect, Dave. Thanks, Dave. That's usually what she says when you get out of the trailer. (laughs) Listen to hang time. Give me another. (laughs) Sorry, Alabama. Wow. Absolutely. Well, today's show is a brewery takeover episode. We'll be talking about beer from one brewery today, and that is going to be Perennial Artisan Ales. Look at you. You got it right. Thanks. Wow. I took my Wheaties and had that. some more beer, so I finally got it right. 
Well, we're going to talk about some background on Perennial, and we're going to be rating beer from Perennial uh, as well as we go today. We have a stellar flight lineup. What do you say, guys? Yeah, we do. A lot of great beers to talk about. Um, So here is the list of the seven beers that we have from Perennial. I don't know that we'll talk about all of them today, but we're definitely going to talk about quite a few of these. The first one is Hereafter, Regalia, The Last Word, Saison de Lille. Aria, Peace Offering, Woodside are all of the beers that we're going to get to go through from Perennial. So, a really great uh, lineup uh, from uh, Perennial to go through today. Now, Juliana, who is the one of great wisdom (laughs) and vast ability to actually read things without screwing them up, as opposed to me and Dave... (laughs) What? Mostly me. Well, now let's me just see how that goes today. All right. So please tell us more about Perennial. Okay. And I'm so excited about this. A, because Perennial's got to be one of my favorite breweries in St. Louis. And St. Louis also happens to be one of my favorite beer towns. Okay, enough. So what I'm going to talk about is um, an excerpt from a recent interview with Craft Beer and Brewing Magazine, which, for those of you kids out there that have not been picking up this magazine, please do. Um, It's so well thought out. It's so well done. Um, There's a lot of great collaborators in there that are from the industry and it's not just like bloggers and you know an article writer type people it's actually people from the breweries um and their video series is is really like amazing so please check it out okay so back to the article if brewing is glorified janitorial work which as home brewers, we all can attest to that. Then you can call Corey King Mr. Clean. Mr. Clean, Mr. Clean. Exactly. As the head brewer for Perennial Artisan Ales under brewmaster owner Phil Wymore and owner brewmaster of Gypsy <coughs> Brewing um, Company, the side project brewing, Corey's stock has been rising on the strength of blockbuster beers such as his signature Abrax- Abraxas Mexican chocolate stout, which is so yummy, by the way. Chip. Um, but beyond his brewing prowess, um, Corey is pushing the boundaries of the industry by leading not one but two important Midwest craft breweries. The arrangement between Perennial and Side Project is very unique. The breweries are co-located, and Corey manages and brews for Side Project once he's off the clock from his at least 50-hour-per-week work schedule with Perennial. Both breweries are committed to producing creative, top-quality beer priced for those who appreciate craft beer and the work that goes into producing it. And I think as we can attest today from our flight, there's a lot of love going on in these beers. Yep, so good. I really do enjoy the sight of a $35 beer on the shelf, says Corey. We're producing beers that take two to three years to make, and then right next door to it is a Saison that's $10 a bottle that was made in under a month. That $10 Saison is way more profitable for a brewery than making a two to three-year-old beer that's $25 to $35. So I like seeing that price point on the shelf because it lets breweries keep experimenting with the really fun styles. And fun styles he is doing. Um, On the brewing front, he takes a slightly different approach with his perennial and side project beers. 
At perennial, we don't hold ourselves to things like a house yeast strain. Because we brew so many styles, we use more strain yeast strains than almost any brewery I've talked to. We buy new yeast for every batch, and most breweries don't do that. I mean, for them, it's not profitable. If you try to stick to one house yeast, it pigeonholes you into the styles you can make. However, with Side Project, Corey has cultivated a house Brettomyces strain that isn't as spicy and phenolic and horsey as a lot of them are. Mm. This one is full of orchard fruits and is a delicate Belgian ale strain. Minus the horse. That was my horse. (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was pretty good. Can we rate your horse? (laughs) (laughs) The horse rating is coming. Um, Perennial releases both barrel-aged and non-barrel-aged versions of its most popular styles. Side Project is 100% barrel-aged. I think the youngest Side Project beer I've released was three months in oak and then two months bottle conditioning, and they're only going to get older. So, Corey's pathway to pro-brewer didn't involve a typical brewer's education. Before Perennial, he was just a home brewer, Corey continues. Um, my experiences were in sales and home brewing, and I also managed a beer bar. I'd read articles every morning, and I read this one about this guy, Mr. Wymore, who was coming to St. Louis to open a brewery. He wanted to specialize in Belgians and barrel aging, so I started talking with him. His only interview question the first time we met was pretty much, why haven't you applied to any of the other St. Louis breweries, or have you, and have they not hired you? I hadn't applied to other breweries because I don't want to make those beers. I have no interest in those beers. If I'm going to do this, I'm going to go the way I want to go with it. And I can't blame him. Most breweries would not let their head brewer launch his own brewing business within their brewery, but Perennial is different. They let me start Side Project inside Perennial because Phil sat me down one day and said, I know you're going to leave me one day. You're going to do what you want to do and do your own thing. I can tell from your personality type it's just you. And I was like, yep. (laughs) I love Perennial. It's just that I wouldn't be 100% happy until I could do exactly what I want. And so that began the grand experiment in co-location. Big step. Yeah, huge. Um, Corey draws a full-time salary from Perennial, brews for side project on nights and weekends, while reinvesting all income back into the brewery, and shares capital expenses between the two breweries. He's even going so far as to produce collaboration beers between the two breweries. So, a side project is doing a collaboration with Perennial, and Perennial is doing a side is a doing a collaboration with Side Project. That's where it gets really confusing. I'll be brewing all of it, just about, since I work for Perennial too. The Perennial part is a quad where part of it is barrel fermented in wine barrels, and part of it is barrel fermented in whiskey barrels. And the whiskey version is a little bit sour. I'm souring that quad part. For the side project version, the entire batch is sour with tart cherries. Oh, that sounds so good. Hmm. I'm getting hungry or thirsty. <laughs> For Corey, the measure of success is building sustainable businesses while remaining focused on brewing the best possible beer. I started brewing in order to brew, to follow whatever inspiration or idea that I got at the time, says Corey. It wasn't to build beer brands, it's to make beers. And cheers to that. Perennial strategy, producing a very limited number of flagship beers, augmented by a constantly evolving lineup of specialties, is a break from earlier craft brewery business models, but one seemingly in tune with the rise of check-in driven culture. 
We listen to the market and react more quickly than some other breweries do, says brewmaster and co-founder Phil Wymore. That early 2000s model of cranking out a lot of one flagship beer worked fine then, but now we find that each month's demand for our new releases increases while demand for our three flagship beers shrinks. The next big move for Perennial is installing three recently purchased 60-barrel Froders um, purchased from a winery in California, two for use by Perennial and one for use by Side Project. Wymore is excited about what the added capacity means for their ability to get wood-aged beers to more fans. Even with the couple hundred barrels we have for Perennial and Side Project, we're producing less than 100 cases of any of those beers. With that volume, we sell it all when we release it at the brewery, and the only way it gets out of state is through traders. It's going to be nice to produce more so we can distribute it ourselves more widely. Yay hmm. to that. But don't worry about Perennial becoming too big too soon. Wymore is adamant about scaling the business organically. We want to grow, but only as much as we can sustain while still producing the quality of beer that we want to produce. So, you know, I had uh, the chance of spending some time both with uh, Corey, uh, Phil, and Emily um, at a bottle release um, at Perennial. And it was... uh, the one thing about that last part of the conversation was um, I don't think that most people realize the general size of Perennial is literally about a third of the size of a lot of other breweries. Um, their mash ton is eight barrels. I mean, it is. Wow. Yeah, it is. Uh, I mean, there are some brew pubs that are bigger. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. That you have been into. Sure. Um the number of fermenters that they even have on site is literally like half um the the way that they have the barrels stacked around all over the brewery is just there is no you know spare square inch um the joke that i had is there's actually a boxing uh a place that's right above perennial and i just really thought that they should just buy out the boxing place and just run the fermenters right through the, the, the boxing um, place and, and, you know, stack some higher, you know, fermentation tanks, you know, uh, through there. Because uh, it's, it's an interesting building, but I can see where it you can tell that they have just, uh, you know, they have used every spare square inch that they have. Um so phil and emily are husband and wife and uh the interesting part is you know i mean working with your spouse can be a joy or it could be a curse um (laughs) so i I don't know that you know a lot of people are always up for that and i really admire those couples you know that can do that um the interesting part about uh cory is that Corey and his wife Karen are doing much the same roles and relate, you know, uh, that they have on side projects. So Emily is over marketing for Perennial, um, and uh, Karen is over the marketing side for uh, side projects. So mm-hmm. you literally have two couples that are working side by side and and you know the same roles, you know, with each other. Um, you know, I really had an extended conversation with Emily, and she's very adamant about uh, the size of the brewery and just not, you know, getting bigger. Um, 
you know we had we've had some conversations on some earlier shows that it seemed like every brewery that that we've talked to so what what's the plan what's we're getting bigger you know we're buying more fermenters you know we're getting bigger we're getting bigger and that was not the story at all uh out of emily in fact it was quite the opposite she was you know it was like we're not getting bigger we're just going to keep on making great beer period you know mm-hmm. so um and cheers to that I yeah mean, it, it'll be interesting how that plays out yeah because you know they're not losing their integrity with their flavors and as we you know talk about this flight today i mean there is a bounty of flavors bounty yep you know and being able to maintain that batch after batch is i mean that takes some effort Mm. Um, you know, and then once you start expanding the size, you can lose that. Um, mm. So, yay to them. Well, uh, Kendall has some interesting developments uh, with Phil as well. I recently came back from Chicago, and there I enjoyed a vibrant beer community. Many of you know that Rick Bayless from the famous Frontier Grill in Chicago. Um, even our own good old boy Mike was honored to join Rick for a day as a guest chef at the more upscale venue, Topolo Bampo. Rick Mm -hmm. is expanding his restaurant empire by adding a brewery in Chicago called Cruz. Uh, Cruz Blanca with none other than Phil Wymore serving as the brewing consultant for Rick. Mm. Very interesting. Pretty cool. Definitely. C. (laughs) Their first beer is called La Guardia, which is going to be confusing with the New York airport with the same name. Wait, where's gate 13? (laughs) You're never going to make it on time. (laughs) Nope. Being seen, being Chicago, walking around. I'm looking for LaGuardia, dude. You're lost. <laughs> so LaGuardia is a beer de garde style beer with hominy, epizota, lime peel, and coriander. Mm. Epizota for you gringos is a common herb used in Central America, mainly used in Mexican tea. That's right. So, uh, you gringos, is when we get the farts, uh, we have episodio. <laughs> you take a thumbs, we have this uh, episodio. That's what we eat. That's very good. No more farting. Just no. <laughs> got banned in Mexico. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and the bands continue. Yep. Would you call that a fun fact? Or just a really bad impersonation mm. of, of a Latino. Mm. Anyway, <laughs> we have, we just lost an entire demographic right there in, in 15 so. seconds. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, Dave has another fun fact. Aren't all of the facts from Dave fun? Can't spell fun fact without Dave. All right. It's word. That's word. Um, so what is the Chicago connection with Phil? Anyways, mm. right? He, he is a Blackhawks fan? No. He mm. might be? No, he's not. You no, don't know he's that. I, he, the man has too much taste uh, um, for that. So. He, um, let's see. He's a Cubs fan. No. Oh, I'm sure he is. Okay, no. all right. We're all uh, Cubs fans at heart. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. Wow. He likes Mexican food from Rick Bayless. Yes, he does do that. <laughs> However... He has also been uh, a brewer at Goose Island. Wow. And at Half Acre, both started in Chicago. Wow. How about that? Rather interesting fun fact for sure. And he does not like the Blackhawks. (laughs) You know what? I'm going to prove you wrong, buddy. It's fine. (laughs) Collaboration beer. (laughs) Just with that. 
Well, so uh, very interesting, um, you know, the path that Corey and Phil are taking here. And so, uh, you know, in that same day, you know, that I was talking with, with everybody, and I had spent quite a bit of time with Corey, both at that bottle release and then, you know, kind of at some other events, you know, in St. Louis as well. And it seemed like every other sentence with Corey was the collaboration that I'm going to go do. Well, the collaboration I'm doing. And when I get back from here, um, I happened to be talking to him right before he left for Denver to make uh, the collaboration with New Belgian and that salted chocolate Mm -hmm. uh, beer, Mm. um, which some of us really loved and some of us didn't particularly care for it. Um, And... You know, it's just a number of collaboration beers that he's really kind of been working through, both in his brewery as well as um, at other places as well. Um, I remember him talking about Yepe coming um, to Perennial and the two of them working on an Evil Twin collaboration. Um, It just, you know, the pep and, you know, his discussion was just really, you could tell that he was... He was not just excited about working with them. He was actually excited about the time that the two of them are going to spend together. So um, I don't know a lot of brewers that always look forward to you know collaborations quite the same way uh, with that measure of enthusiasm. So I've also had the pleasure of uh, spending a little bit of time with uh, the head of marketing for Side Project. It is Katie Herrera. Um, who is uh, actually part of a common group called Femme Ferment. And so this is a a women's brewing community um, there in the St. Louis area. Um, So Emily is part of that same group. And uh, it's just a really great group. I really uh, hope to have them um, on the radio show at some point in time. That'd be cool. Yeah. Very good. Um, we've, We've just kind of missed each other in some scheduling, and so I really hope that uh, this will uh, um, maybe we'll have them back on. That would be great. Well, uh, hopefully you've enjoyed this background information on perennials so far. We're going to take a quick break here, and we're going to come right back, and we're going to get to tasting and rating some beers. So we'll be right back. Welcome back to Sips, Suds, and Smokes. Today, this is a Suds episode, and playing with Dave's <laughs> popping in the microphone. <laughs> is that like water it. dripping? Is that what that is? You can't prove it was me. <laughs> Hang on a second. Let me shut your microphone off. We'll see how I'll take care of that. Does your horse need water? <laughs> anyway, today is a brewery takeover edition on perennial artisan ales. We've enjoyed some background material on perennial. We're going to come back around to talking about our top three beers out of this flight and discuss uh, anything that's left over if we get through this. We don't talk about some of those beers with time permitting. Here's that list once again, in case you were drinking heavily during the discussion of the background on perennial ale. I was. <laughs> Well, I am up to the challenge. Here's that uh, really awesome flight we have to work with again. So all these beers are from Perennial once again. Hereafter, Regalia, The Last Word, Saison de Lis, Aria, Peace Offering, Woodside are all of the beers in the flight from today. 
So uh, I'm going to be reading through a bit of the background as we kind of go through each of these as best I can. Uh, but I want to talk a little bit about availability before we charge into that as well. So uh, they are not widely available uh, in every single state. So uh, I will tell you all of the states that, that Perennial directly ships to. So sometimes you can find them on secondary markets and some distributors that cut across state lines and some things like that. So Colorado, Illinois, Maryland, Missouri, Metro, a New York City area, Metro Philadelphia area, and Virginia are the areas that you can easily find uh, most of their beers. Uh, yes, I have found them in some other areas. Sadly, um, I didn't hear you say Nashville. So uh, negative. It's a short drive to St. Louis. That's yes, right. that's true. So uh, let's get right up uh, to uh, talking about uh, our top three beers. Up first is good old boy Kendall with his top three beers. You're going to go three to one or one to three? I'm going to go three to one. Three to one. All right. So I'm going to start with... uh, He's going to go for it. My number three beer uh, is Aria. Oh, Aria. Okay. Um, I've been to Perennial's Tap Room, and I enjoyed the beer there. I've enjoyed the beer on several occasions, and I think it's just a great light Belgian ale with a little funk to it, but you don't get too much of the, the barnyard. It's more of a fruity kind of funk that the brett gives it so uh here's a quick description from a perennial on this on this beer it's a belton style ale that pours bright with an eggshell cap that leaves sticky lacing above the sunset orange color our primary belgian yeast is accompanied by bread mycins brectus all right, go for that, Brooks. <clears throat> for two fermentations that create deeper aromatics and stone fruit and farmhouse pollen and flavors of honey and green tea. Oh, my God. How many things are in this? The ABV on Aria is 7.2%. You're tasting notes on this, Kendall. It um, doesn't taste like 7.2%. Mm-hmm. It goes down really easy, and that's one of the reasons I think I enjoy it. Uh, so much um, I definitely get the honey um, and the fruitiness I pick up is almost more tropical which I think is mm. is a result of what the bread is doing to the beer um, and I think you know I had to go back and forth on this on this rating because um, I, I really like drinking it I've had it on several occasions and I think just because I enjoyed drinking it I tipped the scale for me and gave it a four four how about that a body should really not make that sound hmm. interesting choice right off the bat what's your number two pick number two is peace offering Ooh, peace offering mm-hmm. well we'll have a lot of conversation about this today so uh this particular beer let me get the commercial description in front of me uh, one more second is going to be an American brown ale brewed with a few hundred pounds of maple roasted Missouri squash. The brewers also added cinnamon and cloves to make this beer a perfect companion to hearty dinners or a seasonal dessert. A harmonious marriage between spices, squash, and allow this beer to remind you of best qualities that arrive in autumn. The ABV on this is 6.3%. Your tasting notes on this, Kindle. Four words. Thanksgiving in your mouth. <laughs> mm. Is this a pilgrim pride? <laughs> I 
I was the every time I was thinking drinking this, I kept thinking, boy, I wish I had some turkey and cranberry and stuffing right about now because mm-hmm. this would pair really nicely with Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, I'm not a fan of most fall beers. I think they're overdone. There's there's so many of those cloves, cinnamon, nutmeg, pumpkin, squash that I think they just are a little too much. They're not soft. Good old boy, Kendall. My newest, bestest buddy. <laughs> the man that can only have three Oktoberfest beers just with me. <laughs> and so to have a beer with squash and cinnamon and you know some of those flavors that i enjoy um yeah. really got my attention and i'm thinking uh, if i could get a bottle of this um right in time for thanksgiving i'm i'm gonna pair those up shoot you yeah. so um i'm gonna go with a four a four very strong well. four. a body should really not make that sound hmm. interesting first two choices and your number one pick number one pick is the last word Oh, the last word. How about that? Mm. Which I'll describe as a delicious slice of key lime pie. Mm, definitely. Um, so here's a quick uh, quick uh, commercial description on that. That is very close because that's exactly it. The last word is a tart ale brewed with key lime, wintergreen, and wormwood. Warm, warm, warm wood. <laughs> toy boat, toy boat. Whew, man. I need some more beer. Uh, let's see. It's a nod to the illicit prohibition era tipple of the same name. It's brewed in collaboration with our friends at the Aviary in Chicago. And what I liked about this is not just the key lime. It's the kind of the malt backbone reminded me of the flavors of like a nice graham cracker crust. And so when you put those two together, I mean, just picturing uh, the pie uh, and, and enjoying that. Um all of the flavors combined it was really tart or I'm, I'm let me take that back not really tart it was it was just slightly tart um and it all worked together to, and to make a nice complex cocktail of a beer and i could see it where it'd be a basis of a uh, of a nice beer cocktail as well hmm. and i did enjoy this this was my number one beer and i gave it a five a five how about that listen to hang time give me another well, uh, very interesting uh, three choices right out of the gate. All right, good old gal Juliana, what are your top three? Not five, not four, top three picks. Let's see if you can narrow it down. Dave, wait, place a wager. Don't hold your breath. <laughs> I got 1750 that it's going to be three and a half picks. She's going to have at least uh, a couple of uh, a couple of number threes. The only thing I feel safe in saying is that it won't be more than seven. <laughs> All right, yeah, Juliana, yeah, yeah. you're okay. going to go from three to one or one, one on go. down. I'm going to go one on down. One um, on down. Okay, all right. My, my top pick is the same as, as Kendall's. Um, oh, the last I, word? Yeah, hmm. yeah. So, A, you don't have to go oh, and talk right, about cool. it again. Um, for those of you that don't know, the Avery is a really wonderful um, restaurant in Chicago oh, that yeah. has an amazing cocktail menu. Amazing. Like, very old school, very, very cool. So, it's... It's no wonder that this was a collaboration with them. Um, that being said, this has got to be one of the best cocktail beers I've ever had in my entire life. It is just, it, it is beautiful, and it is everything that Kendall said it was. And this one I give a five as well. Well, how about that? A five as well. Listen to that hang time. Give me another. Hey, here's a fun fact. 
Do you know what the last word is in most English dictionaries? Um. Zymergy. <laughs> there you go. Wow. Mm-hmm. See, I know stuff. Yeah, we're banned from somewhere. I don't know where it is, but. <laughs> <laughs> banned from the dictionary. Dave's in a special place. He is. Dude, I, I, I wrapped it all up for you guys. I put it right there on the plate. <laughs> I know. I hit it out of the park. Your next uh, next beer, Juliana. Mm. My next one, just because it gave us so much pleasure while we were tasting it, <laughs> is Regalia. The Regalia, yeah. or otherwise known as the Old Faithful. <laughs> Party wrecker. <laughs> so, uh, it is. Let me just tell you folks here for a second. So, we opened the bottle, and of course, it gushed. And we were extraordinarily surprised because it was the only one that gushed in the flight. But then afterwards, we put a top on it, and the top would not hold it back. <laughs> it popped its own top. There's no quitting that beer. There's <laughs> no quit. Open at your own risk. So here is the commercial description from Perennial on Regalia. Inspired by the rustic farmhouse-style saisons of southern Belgian, Regalia is brewed with barley, wheat, and spelt, and fermented with brett, brux, and more brett. Um, and it's a sturdy malt character, supports the complex array of flavors that the yeast provides, and will continue to develop over time. The ABV for Regalia is 8.5%. You're tasting so notes on how Regalia. how is spelt spelt? <laughs> Where's your dictionary? <laughs> What's the last word? Zymergy. <laughs> All right, Dave. We're going to give that one for you. Oh, boy. Um, I really enjoyed this beer. I think, be- A, because these two Brett strains are not commonly used together. So I thought, wow, this is really neat. Um, but it was also like a great combination of barnyard funkiness that we all know and love, as well as like this great fruit blend, if you will. I mean, I was getting like bananas, but in a cool way, bananas with it. And I just thought, what a great beer. Hmm. Even if it gave us funky pleasure to watch as it kept <laughs> gushing <Old> out. Faithful. <laughs> and I gave this puppy a four. A four. A body should really not make that sound. Hmm. All right, your last beer. Ew. See how I drive that home, Dave. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's all man- so, managing up. Got to set boundaries. I, I, this was so. It's a this, one hour show. Yeah, this was so hard. This was really so hard. Um, but I'm I'm calling my last pick a split between two. Oh. <laughs> she got you, Mike. She got you. Yeah, I, I, I knew it was happening. Sorry. Who's paying out? Me or your the, Dave? The hereafter and the saison de lee. Oh, the saison de lee. Yes. All right. Uh, I think we introduced that already. Oh, we no, we oh, did not. Yeah, no, All right. Did. <clears throat> it we was the aria that we did. Either. All right. Yes. So saison de lee, a straw-colored Belgian-style saison brewed with chamomile flowers. It is fermented with a traditional saison yeast strain that imparts fruity and spicy notes that dovetail perfectly with the tea-like quality of chamomile. Finishes dry, tart, and refreshing. The ABV on saison de lee is five percent. Yes, um, beautiful, beautiful beer, um, and so light. I mean, I almost want to group it with the lawnmower grouping of beers because this one you could 
you could pull back a few of these. Um, and for those that are like kind of Grateful Deady type of fans, you guys would like this because of the chamomile tea word? in it. No, I just, I just made it up. Where's the dictionary? Yeah. Well, or the Bonnarooites that are that are amongst us. <laughs> But um, I feel the word juggling coming on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, so I really like that. Now, in the same vein, the hereafter, I was just as good, but in a slightly different way. Um, the pear in this, I thought, was particularly yummy, and a pear saisani type of thing. I just thought, wow, you know, this is a really good, easy drinking beer, but not one that one would expect. If that makes any sense, and both of these kids, I, I gave them a four. A four. Yep. <clears throat> four saison de lit. What was the other beer? Uh, the hereafter. The hereafter. Yes. All right. Which I don't believe we've introduced yet, have no, we? No, you we didn't. Have... I don't know why you left them out. No, because... I just thought you were going to talk about them both <laughs> at, at one at a time. Yeah. So uh, perennial. This is a collaboration with Penrose. Um, and uh, it's called Hereafter. Here's a quick description on uh, Hereafter. Uh, very, very quick. It's basically just a Belgian-style brewed with white sage and pears. So that's why you're picking up so much of the pears. The ABV on Hereafter is 9.3%. And also, you see, you gave that a 4 as well. Yeah, yeah. And that one does not taste like a 9% either. No, not at all. <laughs> well, if, if we can pick 4, I would go with a Saison for you. <laughs> <laughs> Those are my favorite sound effects. Well, uh, so next up is uh, good old boy Dave with uh, your top three picks. What's the point? I mean, she's already talked about all the beers. I think the there's beers. one beer that's not been talked about, which I will talk about. Uh, Woodside. Hmm. Cool. About yeah. that. So, uh, Woodside. Sure you, wait, hold on. You sure you don't want to... Talk about that one too. I did like it though. <laughs> yeah. I did. Yeah. She's gonna hog it all. <laughs> all right. So, perennial Woodside. Here's the description from perennial. It is a Woodside triple is a bright, crisp Belgian style triple brewed with local Woodside urban honey from Maplewood, Missouri. The ABV on this is nine point one percent. Dave, your tasting notes on Woodside. Um, it's it's very nice. Um, I think. The honey came out more when it was colder than it does now. I think the yeast uh, flavors really start to become more prominent as the beer warms. Um, we were talking earlier, you know, do they, you know, do they ever add extra sugar to a triple, or you know, would that be more of a strong? That so, was my question. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Um, you know, I think adding the honey. Um, it's it's one of those you know bringing in local ingredients and making it a more locally neighborhood kind of focused beer. So I, I I'm a fan of that. I think it had a pretty good even flavor, and I don't think it drank um, like a big beer. I think it was pretty easy to drink. Hmm. I gave it a three. A three. Uh, what a relief. What else was in your top three, Dave? In your sense ratings? Um, well, let's see. Juliana stole all my stuff. <laughs> Um, I do think um, it is definitely worth time to the time to to mention the last word again. Mm-hmm. Um, far and away the best beer of the flight, um, the most complex, the biggest flavors. Um, just you know, there were so many layers to that beer, and and as it warmed up, it continued to change in yeah. different characteristics. No, this is my time. Sorry, I know, but I'm agreeing with you. Yeah. Um, 
the you know different characteristics continue to to come out of the beer. I gave that one. Um, I gave it a five. A five. How about that? Listen to hang time. Give me another. Um, let's see. I'm not going to talk about that one. It's already been discussed. I'm just I will say, to say the word warm warm wood again. Yeah. Um, I will say uh, a note about the hereafter. Um, I think the sage and the pear. Usually, a lot of times when you use something like sage, um, it's very easy to get heavy-handed with it, and it can overtake the whole mm. beer. I think they they use just enough to match with that pear because pear is a very subtle flavor. Yeah, but it it did come out and it and it equaled out with the sage very well. So I was a I was a fan of that. I gave that one a three as well. A three as well. Ah, oh, what a relief. Hmm. All right. Well, sounds good so far. So we've gone around and covered some of our tasting notes on this flight. We're going to take a quick break here, and then we'll come back. We'll have some more tasting notes from good old boy Mike, as well as more discussion about perennial oil. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Sips, Suds, and Smokes. This is good old boy Mike. Today is a episode on perennial artisan ale out of St. Louis, Missouri. We have a great flight that we've gone through of several beers from perennial. And we've gone through a few of our tasting notes as well as some background. We have a couple more tasting notes as well as a few more topics to talk about. So I'm up uh, talking about my top three picks, which have been covered already but i do have uh, some interesting you know tasting notes around all of these so we'll i will be go, the judge of that i know whether it's both entertaining or interesting so my uh, number three pick is going to be uh the last word <clears throat> so this is a beer that just dave just talked about and my tasting notes on this were, you know, I thought it was kind of tart and limey, I think were the two words that I used. That lime is really, you know, very strong in this. And mm-hmm. that's a little bit different yeah. than just flat out tart. Uh, there's, you know, you can really almost feel the presence, you know, of the fruit, you know, in this. Um, so my set rating for this beer is a four. Great beer. Really fantastic. And... So we started to talk a little bit about the aviary uh, in Chicago and really great restaurant. And uh, one of my favorite beers that um, they offer is with uh, Evil Twin, and it's the aviary series. Mm. It's the only beer that you can only get that beer in two places. You can get it at the aviary or you can get it at Tourist in Brooklyn. And uh, they really take basically the same beer and then they drop it in a variety of barrels, like a cognac barrel or a wine barrel and different wine barrels or a whiskey barrel. And then they have one uh, out of the aviary series where they've blended all of these. Probably one of my top three beers ever uh, that I've had. Wow. Um, And uh, that was really a fabulous evening at Tours that I had that beer. And um, I went back to have it again and lo and behold it was gone so Mm. um 
Yeah, so I would definitely say if you uh, are in Chicago and you really want a real treat, especially if you're on an expense account, <laughs> wow. I would say head to the aviary uh, because uh, it's uh, wonderful, pricey, but um, you'll get to be able to sample really great products, you know, like uh, this particular beer from uh, Perennial, the last word as well, which you can actually have in other places. So I got to, I didn't, I don't believe this is one of the ones I picked up at the brewery. So. Um, really great beer though. So uh, number two on my list is going to be Saison de Lee, yeah. and uh, you know a really great uh, beer. My tasting notes on Saison de Lee are earthy. It's barnhousey. Just for you, Dave. Thanks, buddy. Yep. Yeah, you know, uh, light tart. The most important word is chug it. <laughs> you know, this is a beer that. Uh, they need to stop serving it in 750s. It needs to be in 64 ounce yeah. and pony kegs and corny kegs only. So, I mean, it's just like you could not drink enough of this beer. It yeah. is so good. Um, Could you imagine this in a can? Wow. I'm just. That would be nice on a summer in day. In a tall boy. Yes. Tall boy, yes. yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, this is uh, this is definitely uh, on-ramp Sour City as well. You know, uh, this is um, throwing that, you know, again, if somebody comes up and says, you know, hey, I've never had a sour beer, yeah, stick this in their hand. You know, again, this is a, a really great approachable uh, beer uh, for a broad range of palates. Really great choice. So uh, I had fun with my daughter about this beer earlier today. Yeah. So, um, you know, like four years of French, you know, she's been in country, you know. And so I, I asked my daughter, and I said, what, what does Saison de Lee mean? I mean, you know, I know it means season, but I don't know what de Lee means. She just looked at me, and she was like, I, I, don't, you know, I don't know how you spell Lee. And I'm like, it's L-I-S. And I'm like, so she's sitting there, and she's like, I really... Uh, let me look I'm on Google. <laughs> you know, so it's like literally tens of thousands of dollars of you know, college education flush right there in a Google search. And I'm like, it's the season of the lilies, babe. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, that's right, Dad. And I go, yeah, it's right here on Google. So <laughs> I had a lot of fun with her Aww, about it. Oh, that's yeah, sweet. That's right. And, you know, like, okay, so in that kind of same vein, if I may... It, interject here for a second this is a type of beer that the ladies that lunch could drink oh yeah totally pinky up and everything <clears throat> yeah this is definitely uh english tea time uh you know uh beer for sure well um did i get my uh suds rating for that i don't think i did, no, did I? No. Mm, how about that so do tell do tell Saison de lee is a suds rating of four a body should really not make that sound. Again, offer it in a larger quantity. That would be great. <laughs> I'd appreciate it. Well, my top pick out of this flight from Perennial is actually the uh, the Hereafter. Nice. Um, you know, it's just a uh, really um, great beer. I love the sage um, and the pear in this. Um, and I love the way that you guys were talking about it. You know, Dave, you were talking about how difficult it is to just take, you know, an herb like uh, sage or rosemary is another mm. herb, you know, mm-hmm. that I've seen mm-hmm. introduced. And, um, <clears throat> you know, it's a little different to actually have both an herb and a fruit kind of uh, blended together. And you're exactly right. It's very easy for one to overwhelm the other, both yeah. in cooking you know, it's one of those, you know, combinations that, you know, I've seen in maybe uh, some Thai-style dishes. 
um, where you would have sage and pear kind of there together. And you really have to be very careful with, you know, the sage can absolutely just overwhelm the fruit. What a great balance, you know, this has come around. And uh, I just really, uh, I love this. Really great floral notes just coming all over this. And so the pear was, you know, kind of singing on the nose as you kind of got to it. I just, uh, I love this beer. I, I thought it was uh, elegant. Um, yeah, this was uh, really fabulous. My sedge rating is a five for hereafter. Nice. So, uh, really great beer. And uh, some really great beers, you know, all around um, for sure. So, um, we had a, a couple of interesting discussions, you know, through our tasting of these beers. The one discussion that we had was on uh, peace offering. And so, um, as we were tasting this beer, and I was sitting there, I'm going, I've had this beer before. Um, not like from Perennial. It's like another brown that I've had. And I'm like, well, it's just down the street at Four Hands. So, I went and grabbed the Four Hands uh, Cast Iron Brown, which is a really great brown ale. Yeah. And uh, we actually brought it up and tasted mm-hmm. the two side by side. And I thought that was a little kind of uh, interesting experiment. So, um, uh, Julianne, I think you captured some of uh, our thoughts rather quick about it when you had the, the four hands. Well, the thing about the four hands is that it's a more traditional, robust porter. That being said, there are the hints of the cinnamon in it. Um, the only difference with the peace offering is that it's got a little bit more of the cinnamon spiciness than the four hands. But, I mean, they can be inbred sisters or brothers. Yeah. And then Dave said, if you add what? Oh, well, the you know the squash um, softens the roastiness. Uh, a bit and add some sweetness but then the the cinnamon and the basil or not basil uh the cinnamon and the clove um as bad as me i know um cinnamon and the clove are really the only other major differences i think i think if you look the grain bills and probably even the yeast type would probably be pretty similar between the two hmm well, uh, it's very interesting tasting those two side by side. Um, yeah, it was. Yeah, Thanks for doing that. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, definitely, you know, you kind of run across something like that, and it's like, hmm, I definitely want to taste these, you know, kind of side by side, because I think it would be rather interesting. And even as they've kind of warmed up, because when I brought the four hands, it was kind of still cold. And uh, now that they're both at, you know, the same temperature, I'm like, hmm, yeah, it's just basically missing the clove mm-hmm. is really the the only difference between the two still kind of toasty between the two yeah yeah sometimes you've got to wonder in the same town when the brewers get together you know and have a beer and they talk mm-hmm. about their secrets yeah hey, what, what gets this thing? you know cross-pollinated and spread around among the breweries yeah. well you know i think that that uh four hands uh brown has been around for a long time it is one of their perennial beers that they offer up at four hands and um it is one of my you know my favorite browns um i think it's really great i'm glad it's widely offered i mean you can get it in you know grocery stores and stuff you know, am schnucks, i uh, so. am i one of your other favorite browns um i'll work we'll work on that dave hey now you're not the only brown in the room <laughs> that's for sure um you know, uh, th- there are a few other topics uh, that we have a little, uh, you know, time for here. So, definitely this deal, you know, with Cor- that Corey has, you know, with doing side project uh, right there. I mean, could you imagine anybody else doing that? Well, it's no. a it's a brilliant it's a, idea yeah, because it is, it's he doesn't personnel he doesn't, management. Yeah, you don't want your head brewer to leave to do his own thing. 
So you let him do his own thing on your equipment, helps you pay your bills, you know, keeps him happy. It's it's win-win. It's pretty it's, genius. It's so difficult to keep partners on the same page. We've all heard of breweries where two or three guys go in and, you know, f- four years later, only one's left. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah, this way everybody does their own thing, but they're at the same place. So, cool. so if you had to pick a uh, collaboration that uh, Corey um, and Phil should go do, who would you nominate for them to go do a collaboration with? I want them to talk to the guys in Philly at Tired Hands. Huh. Yes. Mm. I think that would be really intriguing because... Me being a Pennsylvania girl, I'm all about, you know, Pennsylvania beers. But what I love about Tired Hands is that they're continuously evolving. They have, like, two beers on tap that are always the consistent. But they're always doing these, like, crazy one-offs with these crazy ingredients. And I think that collaboration with Perennial, who also goes and thinks outside of the box, will come up with something fabulous. Corey, Mm. you hearing me? You hearing me? I hope so. Yeah. (laughs) Anybody else? I would say, um, just to keep it kind of a local deal, uh, Calf Killer. You know, those two guys, most people haven't heard of them, but they're really big. David Don out of uh, Sparta, Tennessee. That's right. They brew a lot of beers, their beers, with stuff they find in their yard. You know, and so I think... And no barrel aging going on at Calf Killer, and I think that would be the... Not yet. Yeah. I think that would be the... Uh, interesting uh, choice with them. So, mm-hmm. a, a little bit of side note. Uh, first time I ever had breast milk stout was yesterday <laughs> with with one of the brewers from wow. from Calf Killer. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. So, I thought it was utterly ridiculous. <laughs> but, uh, I doubt. <laughs> so. Um, any collaboration you can think of, Kim? Yeah, I was thinking keeping it in the Midwest and getting them go over to Indiana and brew with uh, Upland. Oh yeah, huh? Yeah, uh, yeah. that would be, be cool uh, too. that would they be do some really interesting sour things there in, in Southern Indiana. So uh, they do. They really be curious do. what they could do together. Hmm. Yeah, that would be a, a very interesting choice. Um, I'd love to see uh, the Blendmaster um, at Cascade and Corey hook up. Oh, <clears throat> Ooh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. So uh, and now for the eighty dollar bottle of beer, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, you know um, that was uh, that was probably the one that I thought about would be because you know that's that artistry of blending is not something that I is for the faint of heart for the average brewer. They're so concerned about, you know, infusing all the flavor on the front end in the mash tun mm-hmm. or in secondary fermentation. The whole concept about blending is just like completely, it's a skill that, you know, most breweries don't have. And if I wanted to add something to Corey's toolkit, that would be it, is really thinking about how to blend on the back end. Um, even in the background article where he was talking about saying, well, I'm kind of doing one that's all tart and one that's, you know, um, mm-hmm. more barrel, you know, forward. Um, again, he's still thinking about what's he doing with the secondary fermentation. One batch yeah. Yeah, at a time. Yeah. And, I, you know, when I think about kind of rounding out somebody to add a, a, a skill set that I think would serve the brewing community for like the next 10 years, um, that would be something I would want to put. 
Um, I actually uh, sat at the table with Scott Kelly, um, who is the uh, caffeine god in St. Louis um, from Sump Coffee when they make uh, Sump Stout mm. and actually went to the final blending of that. Um, it was a very small group of us that were there working on it. And you actually, you know, pour like eight different, you know, blend, you know, elements. And um, so, you know, I really got to see, you know, Corey's eyes kind of light up when he's kind of confronted with you know elements of blending like that and Mm -hmm. so i can really see where i i think that would be a great timeless skill for him to to pick up on so uh very interesting uh choices i look forward to wherever phil and uh are going to go with both side project or perennial and i look forward to the day when we'll feature side project here on sip suds and smokes that would be really fabulous yeah yep you hear me katie (laughs) <laughs> that'd be great um so uh, well let's uh, wrap up our episode for today on uh sip suds and smokes here for the perennial uh thanks to all our listeners here on sips suds and smokes and catch all of our episodes online on itunes soundcloud TuneIn, stitcher youtube uncle john's basement and spreaker our native media hosts our trusted radio stations are always questioning gee i wonder what is the last word in dave's head each night (laughs) beer (laughs) well if you'd like to hear what that word is why don't you drop a note to your favorite radio station ask them to put us on the on the air send them a note copy us as well and you can reach us online anytime anywhere our email address is info at sipsudsandsmokes.com our daily tasting notes flow out on Twitter every single day at at Smokes. Our Facebook page is always buzzing with lots of news. You might catch an occasional Periscope show from me or one of our other hosts on Twitter from time to time. Let's keep it clean. Yep, I know. Or not. <laughs> Here's my tasting flight. Here's what I thought about it. Next. Check, please. <laughs> Sips, Suds, and Smokes is sponsored by Craft Beer Kings. Craft Beer Kings, the home of all of your beer and wine needs. They're also home of the mystery box. What's in the box? Uh, Probably the last word in your head, Dave. (laughs) You can reach them at www.craftbeerkings.com. I don't think you like that. (laughs) It's fine, dude. It's fine. Listen, if you're listening to us online, do us a favor. Take the time to rate this episode. That's a great big help to us, and I love to see your feedback as well. Please don't rate our ability to wonder and manage Dave effectively. Please remember that there are other ratings besides needs improvement. We kind of like to see something else. More abitudes. That's what we need. Yes. Uh, Kendall, uh, thank you so much for joining us. How can folks catch up with you on Beer Makes 3? You can follow me and my wife uh, at BeerMakes3.com. It's a beer blog we started about three years ago to educate and evangelize the public on good beer. So there's a lot of good beer out there and a lot of people who don't understand it yet. So we want to help them along. Also follow us at, at BeerMakes3 on Twitter. Is it three the number or? It is the uh, the letter th- or 
The word three. The letter three. Spelled with the letters. <laughs> with the letters. Dave, we'll spell it out for you later, buddy. T-H. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Kendall. I appreciate it. I've loved being here. Thanks for we'll having use me. use colored blocks for Dave next time. <laughs> Good old gal, Juliana, and thanks for joining us. Bye from a very happy Blackhawks fan. <laughs> and folks can reach you online now, too, can't they? Oh, my God. Yes, they can. Audio Kitty at Sip Sud Smokes. We can talk about hockey and beer all day long. All right. How about that? Good old boy Dave, thank you for joining us. I guess. <laughs> is it a long, dull echo in your head? Is that it? It's not that long. <laughs> <laughs> Send me an email at leave the cork in at sipsudsmokes.com. Well, it's good old boy Mike thanking you once again for joining us, and I'll ask you to keep on sipping. This has been a one-tan-hand production of Sip, Suds, and Smokes, a program devoted to the appreciation of some of the finer slices of life. From the dude in the basement studios, your host, the good old boys, will see you all next time.